Well, good evening. I'm going to start out with a question. How do you know what is fake and what is genuine? How do you know what is fake and what is genuine? At times, it can, it can be hard to tell. In 2017, 35 years after his death, just one of Jean-Michel Bastique's paintings sold for $110 million. And an art dealer in Toronto has a whole bunch of them. There's only one problem. Nobody knows for sure if they're genuine or if they're real because no one has proof that he painted them. If they're authenticated, then the paintings are worth a fortune. If they're not, comparatively, they're worthless. Priceless or worthless, it depends on whether they're genuine or they're fake. If you have a counterfeit, you have nothing. Today, our passage leads us to ask the question, how do we know if we have genuine fellowship? Well, to authenticate a painting, you can check the history of ownership. Maybe you can run some forensics or consult with experts. But how do we check authenticity of our faith, of our fellowship with God? How do you know if you have something that is priceless, or how do you know if you have something that is useless? Well, the Apostle John, as we pick up in 1 John chapter 1, he's writing to give assurance to the true believers. 5.13, he says that, that I'm writing that you might know that you have eternal Life. John wants his readers to know that they have eternal life. Why? Because there were false teachers in the church and people were being deceived. People were leaving the church and believers were faced with the dilemma. What is true? And what is true fellowship? But John also refutes to, writes to refute these teachers in 1 John 216 says, I've written you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So John speaks to the fact that false teachers were putting man's ideas above God's revelation and allowing the God's divine revelation to stand over man's ideas. So John wrote to refute those falsehoods and to help us test their validity. So how can you tell what is genuine or what is fake? What makes it difficult for Christianity is that everyone still sins. Those who are in Christ, we still fight sin. Those who are not in Christ, sin. So that is what makes it so hard. But the Lord is graciously giving us his word as a light for our path. And he can give us, he gives us assurance of salvation with the words in 1 John. So you don't need a seminary degree, you don't need a PhD in philosophy or theology, but you need, you do need to walk in the light. So what's this truth test and how do we know who walks in truth or who walks in the light? Well, I want to dive in to 1 John Chapter 1, starting in first, verse 5, if you want to join me there. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, 
God is light, and in him there's absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the word is not in us. My little children, I am writing you these things that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sin, not only for our sins, but also for those of the whole world. This is how we know if we know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk as he walked. Well, today, if we were to summarize the main idea of this passage, I think it would be something like this. Those who have genuine fellowship with God will walk in the light. Those who have genuine fellowship with God will walk in the light. And as we unpack this passage today, I want us to take notice of the structure I want us to start by taking notice of the structure as we walk through this letter, as John, often he goes through and he says the same thing in different ways. Not always systematic, which for some folks who like nice, clear outlines, it just messes you up. So in verse 5, you know, we see the foundation in this main idea of this passage. But one commentator says, I like, I like how he says it. He says, one, in 1 John, it's like a spiral. It seems to go round in circles and differs with every turn until he arrives at his message. And so in 1 John, as we go back, we will see some of these same themes come up again and again. And as John going around, even as we look through all of the writings that John has put forth in the Word, we see some of these same themes of light pop up in Revelation, the Gospel of John, and of course in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But in verse 5, we have the foundation and the, and the main idea of this passage, and they all begin with the phrase, if we say. If you were to put down your verse on a Word document and literally start out each line with a verse, you would see that it starts with the word if. Then every other line it would say, if we say. And so John gives us these if-then statements. And John weaves together three if we stay, say statements in verses 6, verse 8, and verse 10. And in these statements, John gives us a few truths 
truth test, rather, consisting of both negative and positive statements. We'll see that John makes negative statements and then a contrasting positive statements. So as we go through this text, we'll see the negative statements first. We're going to look at these negative statements and we're going to answer the question, how do I know if I'm walking in darkness? And to think rightly about Jesus, you must understand sin. So we are going to look at these negative statements or false teachings that Jesus points, or that John rather points out. And we're going to see that walking in darkness, it will lead to a few different things. Walking in darkness will lead to a life of sin and separation. Walking in darkness will lead to a life of deceit. And walking in darkness will lead to a life of denial. But then we're going to cycle back through the passage. And we're going to see these positive statements. And see the positive truth test that John gives to believers so that they can have assurance of their faith in Christ. So while we look at these positive uh, statements in the past, we're going to ask the question, how do I know if I'm walking in light? And we'll see that a life that is walking in light will first have a life of fellowship. We'll have a life of confession. Have a life of obedience. But John, as he writes, he gives us this firm foundation. I think that's in verse 5 where he says, God is light. He says, this is the message that we've heard from him and declared to you. God is light and there's absolutely no darkness in him. John is very intentional about where he starts. He knows where we need to build upon and what we need to build upon. If we don't have this foundation, we cannot accurately identify the positive and the negative truths that are coming forth. So John, en route to talk about sin in our relationship with God, begins by declaring to us that God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. So this is the message that we have heard and declared. John is not coming up with some new message. John, who's likely in his 80s, is saying the same thing, the same message that Jesus taught him. John is just confidently sharing that with us, of what he heard from Jesus. And in verses one, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, is the basis for the rest of our passage and the foundation, really from verses uh, 6 of chapter 1 all the way to chapter 3, verse 10. John emphasizes that God is light. And this is fascinating because what we expect is that John would start somewhere with like God is love or that God is mercy. But no, John begins with the truth that God is light. God is light. Now, John will get to the fact that God is love, as we will see starting in chapter 3, verse 11. But he begins by laying the foundation that God is light. With this, John defines both the character of God and those who have authentic knowledge of God. He introduces the question of how is the reality of sin for people remedied if there's absolutely no darkness in him? 
And this phrase, it literally means or translates as no one bit of darkness. John unequivocally stating that evil is not associated with God. As one commentator says, this double negative is bad grammar. However, it is excellent theology. There are two concepts that are coming to light here. One is the holiness of God, that God is pure, he is perfect, and he is righteous, that God stands in contrast to darkness. Even in, we see in uh, Genesis 1, what is the first thing that God does is he separates the light from the dark. This is why John continues, there is absolutely no darkness in him, all darkness is excluded from having fellowship with God. Darkness has no place with God. So John wants us to understand, first of all, the holiness of God, but also he wants us to understand the revealing nature of God. What does light do in its very nature? Light reveals if we were to go to a cave and turn out the, all, the, all the lights and it would be absolutely dark and you couldn't see anything, what happens when you sl- put turn a light on? Well, all of a sudden you can see your hand right in front of your face or the person next to you who's doing something really silly or awkward right when you turn the lights on. The light reveals. Light unveils our spiritual reality. So God is absolute light shows us to be in darkness. So it is Christ alone who guides us from darkness as the light. Jesus says in John 12, 46, I have come as the light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. So it is these two aspects that John teaches concerning the relationship with God as light, as the foundation. So as that is our foundation, we can begin by looking through these statements that we see in 1 John. So following this declaration that God is light, John weaves together three if we say statements. Again, you'll see these in chapter 1, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10. And John wants us to see sin the way that God sees sin because to think rightly about Jesus, you must understand sin. So this first negative statement was found in verse 6. He says, If we say we have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. So people are making claims. What claims are they making? They're claiming to have fellowship with God. What does it mean to have fellowship? Well, it implies that there's a companionship, there's communion, there's this idea of walking together. Yet if we say we're walking with God, yet all the while walking in darkness, then we're living a lie. It's not true. It's a false claim. And we misrepresent not only ourselves to the world, but we also defame the name of God when we say we have fellowship with him, but continue to walk in darkness. So what does it mean to walk in darkness? Well, it means to let sin reign over your life. 
John speaks of, of this verb, walk in darkness, indicating a pattern of living in sin. This not, is not just the occasional uh, lapse in sin, or, uh, but rather it's a lifestyle of continual darkness. It's in essence as if he was saying, I have fellowship with God, yet I walk, I do not walk according to his ways. It, it doesn't make sense in John's eyes. It's, John is saying that it's impossible. You cannot walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. So walking in darkness represents everything that is opposed to God. We may think we're in control of our own lives, but spiritual reality is that when we live in sin, we are submitting ourselves to our selfish desires instead of God. To walk in darkness is to walk in ungodliness, is to not care about the consequences of sin. John describes exactly what it looks like to walk in darkness in 1 John 2.15. He says, if anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's possession is not from the Father, but from the world. It's exactly what it looks like to walk in darkness, to pursue those things instead of God. So people are claiming to have fellowship with God, but John believes that they are walking in darkness, that they are living under, under the threat of condemnation. And so John, he does the most loving thing that he knows to do. He calls them out. While his words may seem harsh, they're the most loving thing that we could do. If we see a brother or sister living in sin, we don't just sit there and just be okay with it. No, we want to lovingly speak truth to them. Now, that doesn't mean we get together and just do it all of a sudden in public without talking to them. No, Scripture clearly lays out what it looks like to talk to a brother or sister who's in sin. But John, he points out, and he wants them to have fellowship with God. So he says they're not, having, they're not living in the light so he says they deceive themselves. In the second negative statement, we see this. In verse 8, he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive our, ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There were some that were saying they had no sin, and that places them in jeopardy because those who believe that they have no sin will neither ask for forgiveness nor receive it in their life. So the one, one way that you may hear this today is when people sin, maybe would, people would say, you know, sin is just not that big of a deal. You know, I'm not that bad of a person. They deceive themselves by saying that. Refusing to accept this truth is a recipe for disaster if we deny the fact that we have sin. The Apostle Paul speaks of his own struggle in Romans 7. He says, For I don't understand what I do because I do, not, I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. What is he saying? He says, I, I know I sin. I'm fighting sin. Or the classic example of Jesus' uh, parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. 
We see this in Luke 18. What does the Pharisee um, say? He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people. I thank you that I'm not greedy or unrighteous or adulterous or like the tax collector. But I do all these things. He's looking at his own righteousness. But when it comes to the, uh, the Pharisee is disillusioned about who he is. But when it comes to the tax collector in Luke 18, what do we see? He feels the weight of his sin, his guilt. And he stood with downcast eyes, beating his breast over his sin. And he says, he says this, he says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you this, the one who went down to the house justified rather than the other, because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but those, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee didn't think he had any sin. He did all these things right, yet he was not the one justified. He, we said he had no sins. He deceived himself. But then we see this third negative statement, and it says in verse 10, we have not sinned. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the word is not in us. So the one who claims to be free from sin, the Bible is clear. If It is not that they haven't sinned, but they're blind to it. They claim to no longer sin. Scripture tells us that sin is the common condition of all men. And if you claim to be sinless, you declare yourself free of guilt and sin and the penalty of sin, John wastes no time with those who go on deceiving themselves. When we deny sin, we shut the door to receive forgiveness that Christ freely offers. So John wants them to know this is not true. This is false. Paul says in Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. The Bible says again and again that we are sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if we say that we are without sin, that what we are saying is God's word is not true. It says we call him a liar. Anyone who says that he is not sin is denying the word of God and makes God out to be a liar. Notice this progression of the lies in these three negative statements. First, we lie to others. Then we begin to believe the lies and the lies of our, that we're telling to ourselves. And then we actually call God a liar. So as we've considered these three negative statements, uh, now I want us, and what it looks like to walk in darkness, now I want us to turn to the positive statements as we walk back through that John gives us in verse 7, verse 9, and chapter 2, verse 3, and ask the question, how do I know if I'm walking in the light? Well, this first positive statement, walking in the life, will lead to a life of fellowship. 
I think we see this in chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. So what does it mean to walk in light? Well, John is crystal clear. He doesn't leave any room for error in this if-then statement. He says, if we walk in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. So walking in the light is opposite of walking in the darkness. How's that for a truth statement for you? Walking in the light means that we no longer live for the desires of our flesh, but it means that we are controlled by the desires that are in accord with God's word. If God is light and in him there is no darkness, then he illuminates the pathway to fulfillment of all of our deepest longings, even the ones we don't even realize. And he does that all through the person and work of Christ. He is the deliverer from our darkness, from our dark dangers and obstacles of joy. He is the infinite desirable one. And based on verse 7, the two benefits of walking in the life are that if we walk in the life, we have fellowship with him and fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. So this fellowship is based on a common experience of forgiveness of sins. In order for this fellowship to be active in us, we have to see that these two types of fellowship, first with God, but then also with others. So if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship. We expect him to say, with God, which is true. But we also have fellowship with one another. In verse 3 of chapter 1, John says that that is his desire to proclaim Christ so that his readers might have fellowship with the Father. But then here he goes on to say, uh, in verse 7, it refers to both fellowship with God and fellowship with with other believers. So walking in the light in the condition of fellowship is not only with God, but it's also with other believers. So walking in the light comes in the context of a community of believers who have been forgiven. We can't claim to have fellowship with God if we are not willing to walk in fellowship with his church. Because walking in the light involves walking with others who have been transformed by the grace of God. So John says those who walk in the light have fellowship. They have this koinonia, this koinonia that we looked at in Acts 2 with one another. The Greek word has a number of meanings. Fellowship, participation, sharing as we see again in Acts 2 and we saw earlier in chapter 1. So are you walking in the light. I think one important question to ask is who knows? Who knows you? Are you walking in the light with others? Walking in the light means that we're open about our temptations and our sins with other believers so that they can help us to fight sin. And that leads us to our second positive statement. Walking in the light leads to a life of 
confession. In verse 9, we see if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin is not meant to be concealed, but is meant to be confessed. As we walk in the light, we must confess our sins. We must be honest. We must drag our sins into the light and call them out before God. And by their names, take them and put them to death. We must take God's side about our sins and have his perspective. Proverbs 28 says, The one who conceals sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Why do we, why do we confess? Why do we, why do we confess? Well, it's because that God is faithful and just, and he stands ready to advocate us before the Father for those who are in Christ, but not only for us, but also for the whole world. Now, this is fascinating because the price that Christ paid is not only enough for your life, but also for that of the whole world. So that if anyone would put their faith in Christ, if the whole world would put their faith in Christ, that sin would atone for the entire world. Then we see this third positive statement that walking in the light will naturally lead to a life of obedience. It says in chapter 2, verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know that we are in him, that the one who remains in him should walk as he walked. So one benefit of walking in the light, well, is that God's love is made complete. This is not just merely a feeling. It's not, uh, it is a love that transforms our behavior and produces obedience in us. This love is made perfect. It it enables us to keep God's word and walk in the light. So over time, there will be evidence of God's transforming us to be more like Christ. There will be a battle against sin. But the benefit of being a true believer is that we will walk as Jesus walked. Our lives will reflect an increasing cleansing of sin marked by obedience. So these benefits is that our love would be made complete. The benefit of having an advocate and the benefit of being able to walk as Jesus walked. So one day we will stand before God and have to give an account. It'll be in perfect light. We'll have to give an account which will be impossible for anyone to fool God. We will not be able to convince him. But we have a perfect advocate who stands for those who are in Christ. And he will advocate for, advocate for them. So listen to what John in Revelation 22.5 says. Night will be no more. People will not need a light of a lamp. Or the light of a sun, because the Lord will give them light, 
and they will reign forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, this is the reality for those who walk in the light. This is our future. Would you pray with me?